Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, you'll meet Randy. Randy shares about the death of her father when she was only 10 years old. He had been diagnosed more than three years earlier, but Randy and her brother were never really told that her dad was sick. As an adult, Randy has spent nearly 20 years educating others on the topic of grief and has written a book, Eddie's Brave Journey. She's a remarkable person, and I think you'll really enjoy today's episode. As always, if you are enjoying the podcast, please remember to leave a rating and review. And now, Randy's story. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. I'm glad that you're here. And today I have with me Randy Perlman Wolfson. And um, Randy is actually a daughter without a dad. Um, and she is the author of a book and is also, also the person behind Grief and Grits. If you're on here from the Instagram community, you would recognize her. Um, that Grief and Grits is that's how we became connected because I shared a lot of her things in my stories and then she replied back and we started a conversation and I asked if she'd be willing to share today also because I love books personally and throughout this past year I've had a lot of people reach out to me about talking to kids about grief and Randy has a book specifically for that so I asked her if she would be willing to share today and then we will talk about her book and you can find out how to how to get it because I love to give books as Christmas presents and so since we're in November um, before the holidays that might be an option for some people who are listening so if you've been here before you know that I'm going to kind of hand the mic over to Randy I'm going to let her introduce herself tell us the story of her dad um, and then we will connect back together and talk about all things on grief and grits and We'll talk about her book, Eddie's Brave Journey. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Randy, and I really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Beth. It's really my honor to be here. Um, I love to talk about grief, and <laughs> I know that may sound strange, but uh, I've been a griever since the age of 10 when my dad died, and so it's informed so much of my life, and um, so it gives me um, a lot of um, a lot of comfort, a lot of hope, um, and in a strange way, a lot of joy to be able to share what my experience has been both as a griever and having also had the privilege of working in the field of grief, uh, to be able to combine those two things and just really share and hope that somehow what I have been through will resonate for like you said earlier, when we were speaking, just one person, even if it just resonates for one person, um, that brings me a lot of joy and hope. Um, so, uh, as I said, I became a griever at the age of 10 when my dad died. My story um, begins on January 8th, 1966, when my mom sat me down at the edge of uh, the bed and said, God needed another teacher in heaven. My dad was a fourth, fifth grade school teacher, a very well-loved school teacher. And I had no idea what she was talking about. And it be, soon became apparent what she was talking about, that my father was indeed dead. 
she used the best language that she knew how to use at the time. But although my dad had been sick for three and a half years with leukemia, it was not something that they talked about with us, myself and my brother, my older brother. They, you know, it was 1966. And if you think it's difficult to talk about death and grief today, you can imagine how difficult it was back then. Even the um, Kubler-Ross stages of grief hadn't been written yet, which, uh, which we don't really like to go by stages, but even that hadn't been written yet and talked about. So there was really just no guidance for this young couple. My mom was 35, my dad was 41. Um, so they were three and a half years younger when he became ill with leukemia. And he actually physically held up pretty well especially in those days when, of course, the treatments were not nearly what they are today. Um, he, the only thing I can remember is that um, he and my older brother would wrestle, you know, kind of wrestle around. And at some point, uh, my dad had to ask my brother to stop doing that because he was bruising. And I didn't really understand. It made no sense to me. I didn't understand it. But it's the one memory that I have of something not being quite right. And I've also always felt that somehow I'm sure that we knew that something wasn't right in our house because children can pick up when there's something going on. Of course, later on, my mother would tell me that she would, you know, lay down and cry in the kitchen after we went off to school and he went off to work and, uh, and that was the best that they could do at the time. So when she sat me down and said, you know, God needed another teacher in heaven, um, it took a little while for that to really sink in what that meant. The one thing that, um, that she was able to do was to take my brother and I to the funeral. Thank goodness. Um, and I've told this story before, her role model was Jackie Kennedy, who took Caroline and John John to the funeral. And that was just three years prior. And to be able to see the first lady of our country stand there with either child on her side really made an impact, which speaks so loudly to, you know, how we do need role models and people to, to speak up and, and talk about these things and show these things because it made a huge difference in how she handled that for us. Had she not seen that, she may have made a decision to not allow us to come to the funeral. So uh, I love to tell that story because I think it's just so important and speaks so heavily to how we do need to share and, and talk. Um, so, uh, so of course that began to inform, I really think just mostly everything about me, the death of my dad and, and really not knowing how to deal with all of those feelings for such a long time. When I was about 12, I began to have what I like to call anger bursts. Some call it temper tantrums. Um, and I'm, I'm confident that it was a way for me to get out 
what I was feeling without knowing what to do with all that that was, you know, getting stuffed away inside my body. So it just became a way to really release, you know, a lot of the grief that was there without having any guidance on how to talk about it and what to do with all the different things that I was feeling. Um, there were no books to read. There were no groups. There really was no therapy. There was just nothing. My mom would tell me later that she went to the library to try and find a book to read. And the only book she could find was now that you're a widow, here's what to do with your finances. That was I, whatever the title was, but basically that was the book that she could find. So, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful today for this Instagram community and all the books and writing and Facebook and all the different ways that people do share now um, and, you know, just how important it is. So I would say that it probably took me about 12 years to finally realize that, uh-oh, there's, you know, there's something going on inside of me that I better start figuring out what this is. And so I did begin therapy in my early 20s, um, which began to help me at that point to deal with, at that stage in my life, to deal with the grief. Um, what's important to remember is that children, you know, as they grow and they develop, uh, they deal with their grief in very different ways. And as you go through life and you hit different milestones and anniversaries and things that pop up throughout your life, you're going to deal with grief in, in different ways. And I would go for more counseling in my 30s that helped me at a different time in my life when I was having nightmares and and dealing and dealing with grief in a different way. And so I had a therapist who helped me with those nightmares and, and um, uh, just to address grief at that stage in my life. So um, I did end up also working in the field of grief. Um, that began, I was close to 50 when that began. And um, that was such a meaningful and wonderful experience for me um, to, I was working um, in a grief support capacity where I was um, leading groups. I was training group leaders to lead groups. I was presenting in the community about grief to teachers, clergy, um, anywhere that we could get a presentation truthfully because I think people need to know about grief no matter what we do, you know, no matter what your profession is, you're going to run into people who are grieving. Uh, I also had the privilege of working with first year medical students so that they would better know how to, uh, you know, deal and meet their patients' needs, the families of their patients' needs. Um, so uh, just a lot of really wonderful work that I was able to do. And then of course, lead adult groups, lead children's groups. I worked at grief camp for 13 sessions. Um, so just a lot of different experience in working with grief. And I left my job about four years ago. And when I left, I thought, you know, I've just got all of this inside me about my own experience with grief, the work I've done with grief, how, 
how could I keep that going? How could I still be able to kind of put that out into the world in a way that might resonate for somebody? And so about a month after I left my job, I thought, well, it seems like a lot of people are doing things on Facebook. Maybe I'll just try a page on Facebook. And this name Grief and Grits just sort of popped into my head because, you know, when you're grieving, you need grits, you need food, and it takes grit to grieve. And so I thought, okay, Grief and Grits. And I got on in August of 2017, and I gave myself to the end of that year. And I thought if 50 people will follow along, I'll keep going. And more than 50 people followed along. And now I'm at about uh, 12 or 13,000 on Facebook, I think. And then I started a few months later on Instagram. I thought, well, let's try this community out and see what this is like. And they are really different communities. It's very interesting how different Facebook and Instagram are. And because what I found on Instagram was just this huge grief community of all these different wonderful pages and people that were young and people that were middle-aged and people that were old like me and it was and it was just amazing and i thought this is this is just so incredible you know to see people in their 20s that are finding each other and being able to talk about what it's like to experience the death of a parent or a sibling or even a partner and and um, people experiencing the death of a child and all the different ways that 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 happens and and um so it was it was just so wonderful really to to stumble on this amazing community and the support and and love and comfort that's offered every single day um and so that's what brought me to um you know writing on on facebook and instagram and i found that it was just the perfect way for me to bring my own experience as a griever from the age of 10. So I could kind of talk about it from the aspect of being a child griever, what that's like to become an adult, having been a child griever, and then to take the experience I've had for 12 years working in the field of grief and sort of combining all of that. And I think one of the biggest passions I have too about writing from the aspect of being um, a griever for 56 years is being able to say to people, you will do this for a lifetime. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be a scary thing. Um, it it is what we do as grievers. And in fact, it is a good thing. If we can understand it. And so if we're spoken to honestly about grief and taught what grief is and how it will show up in our lives and that we will be hit with these feelings, I like people to know. I fall to my knees some days still 
missing my dad. In fact, I just wrote a post today about a song coming on the radio and I burst into tears because my dad would sing that song to me. And it just took me back to being a little seven-year-old girl and that's okay. You know, but if we understand, if somebody tells us that, yes, that's going to happen and it's okay and you'll get through it and you'll come out the other side of those tears or you'll pick yourself back up if you fall to your knees, that is grief and it's okay. So I think hopefully that kind of describes my journey as a griever, what brought me to grief and grits. Um, and then to my book, Eddie's Brave Journey, um, Eddie came to me really in one fell swoop. I was really just sitting on my sofa and all of a sudden a little elephant popped into my head and his name appeared it, he, he, that he would be grieving the death of his grandpa, um, that he would go to different animals to find out what to do about all the great big feelings he was having and that he would find out what do I do about this thing I'm feeling now called grief. And um, I just started writing a poem really. And uh, before I knew it, I had a whole story and I had an editor who helped me, you know, really pare it down and, and um, really finesse the wording. And I knew I wanted it to be in rhyme because I think that children respond well to rhyme. I think even for parents and, and caregivers who are reading the book, it's such a heavy topic that I think if it, when it's in rhyme, it kind of helps to lighten it just a little bit. And, um, and that's how Eddie was born. So, um, and then with the beautiful illustrations that were, that brought him and all the animals to life, Eddie was born, so. I think that might be my complete story. <laughs> so when when was Eddie's uh, Brave Journey published? So Eddie was um, actually self-published and he came to life just as the pandemic began. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, which is strange in a way because on the, well, you know, who knew the amount of death that we were about to experience um, collectively. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was very strange to, you know, have a book about grief, you know, be born in such a, you know, such a time as this. Mm -hmm. um, so all of the wonderful things and places I was going to travel and speak about Eddie and do, you know, came to a screeching halt, of course. So mm -hmm. Eddie has been just kind of an organic, um, thing on, on through Facebook and Instagram and word of mouth. And um, that is just really how he is out there and, and um, people are finding him and it's him. I, I mean, I talk about him like he's, <laughs> he is my little, he's my little elephant. He's uh -huh. my little, <laughs> and um, uh, so it's, it's really been a wonderful experience. I've had just really nice response to Eddie. And, you know, what I like people to know about Eddie is it, it, it may or may not be a book for everybody. Um, if you're not about using the word died, 
it won't mm -hmm. be a book for you. Um, mm -hmm. If, you know, so it, it, I really speak honestly and truthfully in the book. Um, I don't speak of any religion because I think it's important that every family that reads this book is able to inject their own culture and beliefs. Um, so I stayed clear of that because I, I think that that's really up to each family to decide how they want to present that to their own child. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So that that is the main thing about Eddie is that um, it deals with honest and real language. Mm -hmm. And it's what children really need and deserve though. They need, they're literal. And so they need to hear real words when that's why I like to tell the story of what my mom said to me because I had no idea what she was talking about. Yeah. And it's really important that children hear those real words so that they can understand what has happened. Mm -hmm. And it's scary for us big people. I, I, it's really scary, you know, to travel in the real language, but um, it's what our children need and mm -hmm. what they deserve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so you said that Eddie just came to your mind, uh, the name, and that that and that he was an elephant. Um, it just strikes me that I feel like an elephant is such a universally um, kind of revered animal. These are like these giants, but they're so gentle, and they have the memories. You know, um, I just think that there's so many ways that that is really um, sim symbolic for, you know, being the one on the journey and then, you know, finding what he's looking for of what to, you know, what does he do with his grief from the other animals and stuff. Um, I think, just think the elephant is such a perfect character and it just, you didn't, it wasn't like you were, you were thinking about, you know, I'm going to tell the story through animals. And, and I think that the elephant is going to be a great, you know, representative of that. You just, the, that came to you first, you said. You know, it's so funny. It, it really did. I just, I love elephants. Yeah. I just think they are magical. And it, I, probably what was in the back of my head that I really hadn't been thinking about, but what probably propelled an elephant to the front of my brain was the fact that elephants grieve. And they have record of how elephants will stand around um, a, a dead body of another elephant and that they have recorded this like a, as actual grieving. So, which is just so amazing. And then somebody else pointed out to me, um, you know, well, we often use the expression, you know, grief is the elephant in the room. I hadn't even thought about that or even like what you just said. I love what you just said about like they hold memories and I hadn't thought about that either. So really, <laughs> I, I, the use of the elephant is even better than I thought it was. <laughs> so, uh, and then the other part that uh, of my book that is really, really important to me is there is a little squirrel that is Eddie's best friend and his name is Solly Squirrel. And he's named for my dad who was Sol and his nickname was Solly. Aww. And Solly goes along on the journey with Eddie and the, the little squirrel actually um, engages with the reader. So the illustrations of the squirrel face 
the reader and is there to ask certain questions. So it really helps the adult who's reading the book with the child to open up conversation. Mm -hmm. um, so Solly asks things like, what do you worry about? Or would you like to tell me how someone you love died? So it, um, so it's, it's a wonderful character and he's sort of there as a teacher, like my dad was. And mm -hmm. so I kind of love that aspect of Solly too. And um, uh, so it's, it's really wonderful because I think that some of the things that adults might not think to ask or might be afraid to ask, Solly is there to help do that. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's a really sweet addition. Mm -hmm. to the book as well yeah and I feel like it's just such a great tool because it's it's generating the conversation for you instead of saying you know listen I know we have to sit down we have to have this really hard talk and it's going to be difficult and you know it's not comfortable for me either which would still be a great way to open it absolutely but, but for me any sort of you know tool or resource that you have that just kind of guides the conversation through and some children might open up at some point or, you know, on one page versus another, but it just at least guides you down the path to allow that opportunity to present itself if it happens. And if it doesn't, at least you've at least read the book, but I love what you're saying about the squirrel, you know, posing the question, you know, perhaps to the adult or the person who's reading the story, um, what a, you know, just a two-way conversation that can be generated from yeah. a resource like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I, I agree with you, you know, sometimes, um, you know, a, a child is not quite ready to answer the question that Solly's asking, and that's okay, you know, they can keep moving along, but at least there's something to come back to. And I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. And then even after you've read the book together, you know, as time goes on and you mentioned, you know, different seasons and different ages, there's different, you know, that you have to deal with your grief for the rest of your life. Um, what a great way to say, you know, depending on the age of the child or even just as another conversation start, you know, remember when Solly said this yeah. and, you know, do you want to talk about that now or has your feelings about that changed or um, I just love, you know, with being a mom of three children, I mean, they're not children, they're 23 to 18 now, right, but, right. you know, anything that you use as a point of reference, that commonality. Um, and I just think that that's such a great, such a great tool to have, even yeah. not, not in the conversation of grief and just conversation in general. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I love that. So if you, is there any certain part of the book that for you speaks to 10 year old Randy, like what, you know, you wish you would have known, or is there any certain part that just is, you know, straight from your heart or um, that's special to you? Yeah. You know, I, I love that question. Um, I think that maybe, maybe all of the book does, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think because to to have a place that feels safe to be able to express what you're feeling and and I do I tackle the things in the book that are hard you know I ask about what I talk about what are you worried about mm -hmm. and what are you afraid of and I talk about that there are lots of why I say there are lots of whys when someone dies and 
but that it's not your fault. And children do need to understand that, that no matter how somebody died, no matter if you thought something, no matter what you said, it's not your fault when someone dies. And so I address that issue. Um, I address the issue of talking about what, when you're feeling mad and making that okay. So I try to address the things that are hard to talk about mm-hmm. and that sometimes the big people in little people's lives don't quite know how to bring up, don't know if they should bring up. And so it's all kind of there to, um, again, help the parent or the caregiver, um, you know, make that uh, available for the child to to talk about. So I think um, in answer to your question, um, I think in a way it, it just really all speaks to little 10 year old me. I'm sure that a lot of it comes out of what the 10 year old me would have wanted, you know, um, to have somebody help me understand and and um, and and be able to express in a in a good healthy way. Mm-hmm. So, the one thing I will say that you know even without any education or knowledge about grief, the one thing that my mom was um, intuitively I guess able to understand and help us do was to talk about my dad. You know, a lot of times you'll hear that families were told, let's put everything away. Don't ever talk about the person again. We need to move on, you know. Um, And that was something that she never had us do. Mm -hmm. And we would talk about my dad and we would talk about memories and we were able to keep him, you know, in the forefront. And I think that was really a gift. because that in and of itself is actually grief work, you know, being mm-hmm. able to share about the person, being able to share about memories, talk about the person. So that that is something that she was able to intuitively, I think, understand. Um, you know, everything else, I think there just wasn't enough education of, well, what do you do when you feel mad? And how do you express your sadness? and you know, how do you express your confusion and, and what do you do when you feel worried and all of that. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that, you know, Eddie provides a, a place for um, both children and adults. I, I, I mean, honestly, when I read the book, I, I cry every time I read it. And I've had many <laughs> adults say to me, wow, you know, that that book is for me, <laughs> you know. It really touches my heart, you know, so, and that's wonderful. That's so wonderful to hear because I, I, I think that so many children's books do speak to adults and um, I think that this book does too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's just awesome. Um, So I was thinking about, because I went back to being a daughter without a mom, you know, when I started this journey on the Griefstagram community and Facebook um, just over a year ago, because I, I went back to losing my mom, which happened when I was 13, just because I realized, you know, you don't, how do you, how do you express that grief as a 13 year old? How do you, I don't even know if my mind had the capacity to be able to cognitively 
know what to do with that information. Um, and so I, I loved what you said in your sharing about that, you know, unfortunately, grief is a lifelong journey. Um, and my kind of tagline that I came up with is using uh, grace, grit, and growth to live with grief. Um, yeah. Because you do, you just you, you carry it with you every day. Um, and it's always a part of who you are. But uh, the talking about it and acknowledging it and feeling the feelings and allowing yourself to, you know, you have to experience the grief and not shove it away or stuff it down or bottle it up, um, which unfortunately I think is what a lot of our, you know, culture encourages us to do. Um, but I do have a question kind of just to ask you your opinion on something based on all your years of experience in the field and then working with grief groups and things. One of the things I've heard from many of the people that share on the podcast is, is how you, so say somebody lost their, their mom or their dad when they were 15 or 16. And then as a 30 year old, they're continuing to judge their actions as, as a, the 15 or 16 year old that they were at the time of the loss. And they are like carrying guilt or shame and these things, all these coulda, shoulda, woulda's done when I was 15 or 16 years old, where where I think is that, you know, you were doing the best you could with the resources that you had when you were 15 years old, but that continuing to go back and judge yourself from your older brain. Is there some sort of advice you give on that? Or like, I don't, to help people to not judge themselves from on their actions of what they did at the time based on what they know now as an adult? Well, you know, the first thing I'll say about what most of us do to people when they say they feel guilty or, you know, the shoulda, woulda, coulda is most of us shut that down right away by saying, don't feel guilty. Oh, no, no, no. Don't feel that way. Well, guess what? I do feel that way. <laughs> and so I think that, you know, one of the things we can do if we're looking to, you know, really listen and be there for someone is to give them the space to express those feelings. The only way I think you can really work through something like that is to first talk about, well, what would you like to have done differently? What do you imagine? And, you know, what would you like to have said? And really let somebody talk about that because those feelings are truly there. And I think that is the beginning to really starting to work something through when you have those kinds of feelings. I hope that makes sense Um, rather than just being told, don't feel that way. I mean, I've had adults come into groups even, you know, who experienced death as an adult who would come into a group and say, you know, gosh, I'm really feeling so guilty. I should have seen this. I should have known this. I should have gotten her to the doctor earlier, you know, all of that. And most people, like I said, will say, oh, no, 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 you did what you could do. You didn't know. You should see what happens, though, when you look at somebody and you say, gosh, tell me more about that. What was that like at the time for you? What do you wish you could have done? How do you imagine that would have been? And 
usually what happens when people are given the opportunity to talk about that, they're almost able to work it through themselves to realize, oh, okay, she wasn't willing to go to the doctor any sooner than that. I probably couldn't have done anything, you know. Um, so we have to give people an opportunity to talk about what they're really feeling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If they're going to be able to work through and get to a place that's different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I think, um, yeah, like what you said of, you know, how would you imagine things differently? What would you have done differently? I think that that's, um, and it, and it is funny how these, you know, the conversations can just organically take on a speed of their own once you just provide that space for someone to share, because like you said earlier about that, you gave your mom, give your mom a lot of credit for um, continuing to talk about your dad, even after he was gone. Cause you're right. I have had women come on and they say, after we finish recording, we kind of debrief and they say, wow, that's the first time I've told that whole story from beginning to end because we weren't allowed to talk about mom after she died. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, gosh, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think, um, I think that exists in many families and it's just so heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it has one been one of the things because um, I was, I was getting ready to close down social media altogether. And it was the fall of 2020 when I started um, the daughters without moms, because I was just done with, with all of the judgment and polarization and things that were happening online. But the grief community has just been so, um, nurturing, forgiving, accepting, you know, no judgment, no, no um, condemnation. Um, it's really, really been remarkable, I have yeah, to say. It's really lovely. It's yeah. so supportive and, and just lovely. It really mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's tell people where to find everything about you. Um, Grief and Grits, is that what your um, handle on both Instagram and Facebook? Yes, yes. Yep. So you can find me at Grief and Grits. And, and it's spelled out, right? It's Grief, yes, grief and, grits. and Grits. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, and Eddie's Brave Journey is just eddiesbravejourney.com or griefandgrits.com. Either one. There's um, a website and it shows you how to purchase the book. And um, and yeah, that's the only place to get the book. And right now I'm um, only selling in the United States right now. So, uh, okay. yeah, so it's yeah. find me, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And if you're listening to this and don't have the ability to take notes or something right now, I will, will, will put all those, that information in the show notes so that you can find Randy and Eddie's brave journey there. Um, and so I usually just wrap up with, you know, if you have a final something to share or take away, um, you know, I, I, I should, I should stay away from using the word tip because what works for one griever maybe not won't work for another, but just, you know, a final word that you'd like to share with the, with the people who are listening today. Um, I think that the, I, I guess the final word for me would be what I said a little bit earlier, because I just feel so passionate about this is um, to understand that grief is something that will be with us for a lifetime. And that um, I think the more we can understand about that, the more we can talk about that, the healthier it is, 
to incorporate it as a part of our lives, to know that we, I, I think it's so scary to find yourself breaking down or crying over something that touches you so many years later. It's so scary if you don't understand that that is what happens when somebody you love has died and, uh, and is no longer there in your life, that these moments are gonna hit and that it's okay and you will get through it. And sometimes it's harder than other times, but that is what grief is. And I think grievers are owed that, to understand that, to know that, and to know the truth about that. Mm -hmm. yep. And that, you know, that you can experience joy and sadness together. They intersect. It's all a part of grief. Grief is simply all the different things we feel when someone we love has died or someone close to us has died. And all of those things make up grief, the joy, the sadness, the confusion, relief, fear, all of that. And I think the more we can understand all of that, the more we will find our way through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. I think that's what I think I was always brought up like that you have you can only have one feeling or the other like you're either happy or mad or this versus this. But with grief, you are I can experience experience grief and joy at the exact same time. And a lot of times it does happen that way, like you were sharing about the, you know, hearing the song that reminds you of your dad. Right. You experience both grief and joy all at that same time because it's the joy of the memory and oh, wow, this brings back such great memories for me, but the grief of that he's not here anymore, but at the exact same time, and that's okay. Yeah, and I'll go you one further. I say that joy is a part of grief. And it's just one of the things that is a part of grief, mm. that you can experience joy within your grief. And I, and I do, by the way, talk about that in the book, Eddie's Brave Journey. I, I have um, a character, the, uh, Zoe Zebra, who just like she has black and white stripes, how does she choose between the, liking either one? And she says she likes both of her colors and that Eddie can have two feelings at the same time also, just like she can like both of her colors. So I, I do want people to know that you can experience more than one feeling at the same time and how important that is to understand that too. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. Um, everyone go to the show notes, find out where you can order the book, if not for yourself. Like Randy said, it's not only for kids, that it's for adults too. And I can just, um, I can't wait to get my hands on it uh, because I know it will be a book for me just as it will for anyone else. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Beth. It was my honor, really. Thank you so much. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.